0: Well, hey, hey! What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number three thirty-two, and today we're going to be talking all about sourcing. Yes, that's right, sourcing. It's a huge thing for a lot of people when they're first getting started, or even if they're growing their business and not really knowing. How to find good sourcing or good sources for your product, and uh, what I wanted to do is have an expert come on, and his name is Sam Boyd. He actually runs Guided Imports, but he's agreed to come on and share what he calls the sourcing funnel to find and validate product suppliers. And he also has a checklist that he's going to be going through. We're going to be digging into that as we do this interview, and the interview is really just a conversation of him and I going through this, and I really kind of drill down into some areas that I'm not familiar with, and I wanted to kind of learn through this process, and I learned a ton, and I think you're going to get a ton from this. There's also going to be, like I said, a checklist that you can actually download. You're probably going to want to head over to the show notes to this episode. That will be TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 332. Like I said, there's going to be a lot of notes there and links and all of that stuff, so definitely go to the show notes, TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash 332, and everything will be linked up there for you. I know that a lot of people struggle with sourcing or at least feeling comfortable with the sourcing process and you know there's always things to learn I mean like I said I learned just by going through this conversation with Sam and really opened my eyes and really allowed me to see that I have to kind of broaden my scope a little bit or actually reach out a little bit wider and then bring them through the sourcing funnel as he calls it and then we can actually validate them before we even reach out to them which I thought was a pretty interesting twist on the way that most people are doing it including myself. So I'm really excited to share this with you. I'm going to stop talking now because we did go a little bit longer than usual. So a lot of information here. Again, you can listen to this thing over and over again, completely free. Of course, it's the podcast and uh, the show notes there and the transcripts will be at episode 332. So guys, enjoy this interview that I did with Sam Boyd. Well, hey, Sam What's up, man? How you doing? Thank you so much for spending some time with the Amazing Seller Podcast. What's up?
1: How's it going, Scott? It's good to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm doing awesome. I know that you are in the states right now. You're not originally. Well, you are originally, but you're you don't. This isn't your home, right?
1: Yeah, it's. It hasn't been my home for man. It's been about close to five years. Wow. I've been living in China, so just came home to see some family and get some meetings done. It's like my once a year type thing. So <laughs> it's it's interesting. Being and you're back. in
0: Pennsylvania right now.
1: Absolutely. What's the weather Absolutely. like there right
0: now in Pennsylvania?
1: Um, I think we've been lucky. Normally when I come back around this time there's snow. So Yeah, yeah. and there's no snow. I was no. I mean, I was golfing two days ago. Ooh, so <laughs> me too. But uh, oh, yeah. I'm supposed to be in
0: South Carolina. You're not supposed to be in Pennsylvania yet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, I'm I'm excited to have you on. And uh, you know, it's gonna be I think this is gonna be a great conversation to have because you've been in this space for quite a while. Um, you've you've uh, you've kind of learned through the process of you know mistakes other people have made, or even including yourself. And I want to bring people really up to speed as far as if they're just getting started sourcing, or if they are sourcing right now, but they want to scale that and take it to the next level. I want to really dig into that stuff. But before we do, can you just tell us a little bit? About Sam Boyd and kind of where you come from and kind of how you got to this point.
1: Yeah, definitely. So it, I'm super excited to be here. So I'm, I'm happy to tell you, tell you your guests about about me and how I got started. Um, I'm originally from America. Uh, I've been dealing with China since what was it 2008. Um, when I was in studying in, in university, I studied Chinese and ended up heading over to China to continue studying more being more focused in in language and i ended up just staying in china i loved it so much and started working with a product development company that turned into me realizing that there's so much opportunity just being in china that'd it be silly for me not to start my own business and one day i gave in my two weeks notice i and after that i started working for myself out of my kitchen table telling people hey i'm an american i'm in china if you guys need anything let me know and that, sort of, that grew into what we are today. So we're a sourcing company, and our focus is helping e-commerce companies get products manufactured in China. Most of our clients, they, they don't really have the resources to go to China. They don't have the resources to set up their own purchasing offices in Hong Kong or China. So they sort of use us as that, as that, uh, that proxy to do so, and we work on behalf of these guys.
0: That's pretty awesome. Uh okay, I, I got to unpack a little bit of that though. Let, let's go back to uh you're working at a company, you had this idea that you could that you could help other people uh you know, start to source or to, you know, maybe even just make the connections in in China. Like what was that move? For? Like you gave 2 weeks but were you already kind of doing that on the side to where you were kind of helping people find sourcing, you know, or supplies and and stuff like that?
1: Right. Um I- not really. I think that was one of the biggest risks and the the most the the, the biggest short sighted risk I've ever made. Okay. Um, I had a boss. It was I was in the same industry. I was doing uh, product development for oh, okay. promotional products. Okay. And I under through this company, I was learning how how does China work? How do we do international trade? How do we get products manufactured? And it was then when I sort of just opened my eyes and realized there's so much opportunity in China and the barrier for entry is so low. Mm. And the reason I say that is because there's so much that's, that's accessible to me. Mm -hmm. That's not accessible to essentially everyone else in, in my network, everyone else in my circle. So the thought was, Hey, if I, if I leave here, I, if I leave this company. Maybe it'll be difficult for me for the first couple of months or first couple, you know, for the first quarter or uh, half a year. But eventually, I'll be able to find some type of niche that I can really drive into. And it was it was that me stopping, me not having uh, an income, and being forced to do something entirely on my own on the mm-hmm. other side of the world. That I just I hustled and hustled till I found this niche, and I found it by by just marketing, by reaching out to as many people as I could. And what, what eventually happened is I realized that the majority of people that I was working with were, were Amazon sellers. They're selling on eBay.
0: And oh, wow. okay. So you, you were, you were even helping people. I mean, are I mean, you probably still are too, right? There's probably still eBay sellers that are sourcing, um, that, that you're helping at this point. Is that true? Yeah,
1: eBay, absolutely. eBay is, uh, it's, it's not as profitable as, as a lot of people saw it years ago, mm-hmm. but I would say anyone who's doing, say more than 10 or 15 million a year they're probably still on eBay okay. just because it's it's a, it's another cash flow sure, and it's sure. their 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 purchase volume is so much that it makes sense for, for them to continue to compete with those Chinese sellers who are who are mainly overtaking eBay
0: okay okay yeah and I, I hear a lot of people saying like eBay's dead and stuff I mean I still see a lot of opportunity right there <laughs> um, you know it's like any any, uh, you know, platform, it's a search engine for buyers. I mean, anytime you can, uh, (laughs) you can find a whole bunch of buyers and then present products to them that they're, they're, they're buying. It's pretty easy as far as like, okay, let's just get it sourced. If we can figure out how to get it sourced, you know, profitably, then we can sell product. Um, let me ask you something though, really quick before we do dive into some, some pointers and some tips for people, uh, because that's really what I want to do here is really kind of dig into, you know, like how can we, source and feel more confident when doing it because it is like you said before we even get on here it's kind of like the wild west still it's kind of you know it's it it can be dangerous you know if you're not if you're not careful um what do you what do you see like one big mistake or two or just what do you see people making right now that you'd be like if i could just let them know one thing to be aware of to protect themselves, like what would one big thing be? I mean, I hate to put you on the spot, but can you? No, think I of love
1: one? that question. I, I absolutely love that question. It's it's not to rely on any single strategy. So mm. if we look at if we look at uh, blog posts, if we look at people just giving giving different tips. The idea is is that this industry is huge. This is such a big industry that if we tell someone, okay, only source from Alibaba gold suppliers, or take it a step further and say only source from suppliers that accept Alibaba's trade assurance. Okay. If we use that as the one strategy, then you're you're leaving yourself open for a whole lot of hurt because just because a supplier allows trade assurance does not mean you're going to have problems. So that tip is is if you have that one strategy make sure make that strategy be one that gives yourself a workflow gives yourself a criteria of things that you should always be looking out for and continuously be narrowing suppliers down or ruling suppliers out because they cannot follow a various set of of criteria that you've put in place
0: Okay, And this is perfect because I'm going to want to dig into that checklist, by the way, because okay. because <laughs> uh, that is one of the things that I've always said, like just for, you know, someone getting started, even myself, I'm like, okay, number one, I want to make sure they're a gold supplier because I want to make sure that they've at least, you know, if they've had any strikes against them, I, I probably should know. And I know it's not hundred percent, but it's better than not having that. And I want to make sure they have now I've trade assurance. And I have always liked it where I don't wire money um, for the first couple rounds so I can make sure that, you know, everything kind of gets transferred and processed, right? Right. Which, You know, uh, our mutual friend, Eric uh, Barrett, who actually uh, had an issue where he was had great product coming through no problems and then he just said you know what i'm just going to let this one fly through and he did and he had all kinds of problems and then his account got suspended yep. and crazy stuff so um i'm i'm really excited to actually dig into this cuz i want i want more knowledge on this as well because i mean sure. me personally like i look at it like it's it it is about the relationship that you can build with those suppliers and then once you lead into those suppliers this is me anyway and correct me if i'm wrong but it's mm. like you and i it's like if we get a good relationship we start to trust them more but obviously, it takes time. It takes orders. It takes uh, adjusting. It takes all that stuff. Um, so, for me personally, that's what we do, and I kind of try to do it slow. And then I try to say, okay, what else do they have available that they're controlling, and maybe I can expand my product line by looking at what they already offer versus going over to you know uh, someone brand new coming uh, right. you know, coming from you know from brand new uh, you know area. So let's kind of dig into the checklist. I think we should just go there. Okay.
1: Totally. Yeah. Yeah so what I like to keep at the at the top of this checklist is is this validation stage this product validation so I think a lot of people who are familiar with our work they they've heard they've heard me preach this before but validating a product is if you think about the entire supply chain management and, and sourcing in general, it takes a lot of time. Theoretically, the average person is going to spend 40 to 60 hours if they're doing things properly. So the validation stage is the idea that before you dive in and spend an entire work week, of just trying to find a single product you take maybe 5 to 10 hours and you you identify does it does this product make sense to manufacture mm-hmm. if you can do something like this in a couple of hours you're going to save yourself a whole lot of time in the event that the product turns out to not be profitable we get a lot of clients who will reach out to us and they'll tell us about their product idea and they'll say yeah this is a widget that you can get from china it's probably 50 cents to get made so let's get 500 of them mm. and they go off of this assumption that most likely they've created and it may be an educated guess but at the same time it's the it's a it's a guess and if you're if you're going to dive or if you're going to put all of your time into just just a single guess sure you're going to waste a lot of time potentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's this this validation. This validation is the idea where you reach out to a handful of suppliers, and we have a, a guide about it that 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 explains it in detail. But the the cliff notes of it are: find suppliers that range from very small to very big. Reach out to them with the same list of criterias and ask them for soft quotations. This is the time for you to be stupid. This is the time for you to to not feel as though you need to act like the big dog or you can use their questions to better uh, classify the product okay and you when you speak with these suppliers you get their quotations you understand what are they asking If they're asking if they're all asking you or if some of them are asking you specific questions about the product that you're unaware of, this is the time for you to write them down and then when you go back to the to the planning board you figure out the answers to those
0: gotcha. Okay, that
1: makes sense. And yeah, and and by doing this, you're cre- you're being able to you're allowing yourself to create to to create variables or, or estimates on how much does this product cost that be manufactured across various order quantities. You're you're allowing yourself to understand what is the estimated manufacturing time uh you'll get the carton information so you can begin reaching out to freight forwarders to get shipping estimates and you're doing this with the suppliers that are big and small and you combine all of the all of the their their variables together and you you build estimates off of that this way at the end of your let's say 10 hours of work you have an estimated idea of what does it cost to have this product manufactured and does it make sense to manufacture
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I think one of the big things uh, that people get hung up on or they also get misled is they'll come back with a price. And this happens quite often. It actually just happened to someone that um, I'm working with uh, personally. And, um, you know, she basically got a quote back and she was all excited about it. And I asked her, I said, well, is this, you know, shipping to to the you know, to your door? Is this like, is this door to door service? And she says, yeah, I think so. And I said, well, we can't think we have to know. And I said, so you have to go back and you have to ask them, is that shipping to this, you know, this uh, zip code in the U S like I want to give them a specific zip code so they can tell me exactly what it's going to be. We're going to maybe go DHL air, whatever, or we'll ask them what their preferred method of shipping is. And sure enough, they came back and said, no, that is not, um, it is not. And, uh, you know, you're going to have to take care of that. So now we have to figure that into the equation and that could screw everything up because it could be 50 cents, it could be a dollar a piece, it could be $2 a piece, depending on how heavy it is, how big it is. Um, and it turned out that it was going to add probably, I think about 75 cents to the unit cost, which That's a lot, you know, yeah, it, it is a lot, that adds and, up. Yeah. And it, it adds up. And I mean, my whole thing is though, when you're first sourcing, even if I went air and it's a little bit high, as long as I know in the future, I could bring that cost down, then I'm okay if I go with a small order, well, but you got to know that, right? You got to say, well, it's air shipping 75. If I go by sea, it's going to go to 10 cents. Well, that's a huge savings now. Maybe that makes sense, but to do a test order of 500, maybe, maybe that's what I do. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that they get excited about the price, but then they don't realize they didn't give them that. And actually that's one of my main questions I ask them. And a lot of times they, they might not understand what I'm asking them. And that's another little red flag for me is like, okay, they're not understanding the language well right. of me going back and forth with them. And they're not understanding what I want. I don't want any surprises. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to speak to that cause I think that's huge. It's um, crucial. Totally. Yeah, it really, truly, it really, truly is. So, um, okay, cool. So what's next? What, what do we got next?
1: Yeah. So I would say that the next thing is to use what we like to call the funnel sourcing strategy. And Ooh, this fancy. is going to, this, <laughs> this, is, we're, we're stealing the marketing terms. I love is, it. I absolutely important. love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're, th- this is probably going to scare some people off and realize that, uh, sourcing from China is, is a pain in the ne- in the neck, mm-hmm. but in reality it is. And in order for things to to be successful, you need to take the time to, to properly do things. So the sourcing funnel strategy is once you've validated your product, the next step is you want to create a list of all of the potential factories, any factory that you can find on any database that remotely shows that they can produce this product. They're going to be a, a factory or a supplier that you would like to look at. And you build this list, you build the list of 50 to 100 of these factories, and what you're doing here is the, – the idea is that you rapidly narrow down these factories until it gets harder and harder to rule out these fa- – to rule these guys out. Okay. Until you're left with a small group of suppliers who – it takes you a lot of vetting to determine are these guys qualified? And this is how you find truly qualified factories. Okay. You know, we look at we look at a lot of people's sourcing strategies where they'll they'll take the first page off of Alibaba or they might venture into global sources and they'll pick out a couple of suppliers and they'll only talk to these guys. And when you look at when you look at Alibaba, their, their ranking system, the S, the on pay or the SEO on Alibaba is very rudimentary. And it's incredibly easy if you know what you're doing to get to that first page. So just because a factory is on the first page, it doesn't always mean that they're the best, mm-hmm. which is why you need to really, really widen your search.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you something. Okay. So, okay. And that makes a lot of sense. But now if, Is there any other sources that you know of that we haven't been aware of that we can go to to find other other sourcing, you know, companies, agencies um, other than just going to those global sources or uh, going to Alibaba, AliExpress or or any of these? Is there any other ones that we could go to to kind of pull more than just that reach?
1: So if you're just the the everyday sourcer or Joe Schmo, who's yeah. sourcing products, the mentality of there's so many more factories that have not yet been discovered. It's not a bad idea to think that way. But I think a much more effective approach is to be more focused on being able to, to use the factories that you have in your reach and be able to narrow them down. Okay. So I understand what you're saying is is how do we get that list of 50 or 100? And are there other sources to do so? Yeah, I mean, right. Alibaba is not the only is not the only uh, player in the game. Global Sources is up there. Made in China. You know, these are the, there's there's plenty of other databases that that show or that that hold suppliers information that you can reach out to. But instead of saying are there are there these 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 secret groups where they have other yeah. other suppliers, instead of putting the the focus into who's out there that nobody else except me has identified the focus can go into working with those suppliers and making sure that they specifically know exactly what it is that you want and if they can assist you you work with them if they Mm -hmm. cannot assist you you don't work with them but that sentence that i just said the if they can work with you or if they can't that's the the that's the hard work and that's the 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 area where it takes a lot of communication Well, again,
0: it's like one of those things. If it was easy and everyone would be able to do it. So you have to kind of go out there and do your own digging. Right. And then once you pull them together and I, I have to be honest, I mean, once you find a handful and then you're going to be in that market serving products, you kind of you got your in right. I mean, you probably want a handful. So you, you can you don't you're not just relying on one. But again, that hard work in the end should pay off because, Total. Again, that's going to be your resource and your connection. Uh, I just talked to, I actually actually interviewed a guy that actually, uh, he's just sold his company, uh, but he was selling like boat accessories, like, you know, like big stuff, like weighted right. stuff, like anchors and stuff. And um, he went over to China when he was just out of high school, or not, just out of college and uh, similar to you and uh, went over there and he just started, uh, you know, looking at certain products as he was in that field. He was working in the boating industry when he was, you know, going through college and, um, and he started, you know, meeting suppliers and stuff. And then he started a little business on the side. He built that into a pretty big business. But he said, you know, he just from there, he would just deal with those people. They would have stuff in their catalogs. And he would just pick three things that he would launch every other month and, And, you know, no one might not, you know, they might not even have been selling it yet on Amazon because it was big and bulky or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that's how he built his business into a, you know, million-dollar-plus business.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And uh, so, again, he had his own resources that weren't necessarily on Alibaba or AliExpress, but he found them by going there. But there's still ways that you can do that that probably lead you to a supplier that, you know, not necessarily everyone is using or that, you know, maybe you can find some unique products that they have or they lead you to another um, another company. One question though, um, how sure. do we identify if they're a trade company or if they are a, a real legit, like the factory? Cause I know then we're, we're talking, we got a third party in there. Now we're going to pay more because we're going with a trading company versus, uh, a, you know, a direct to the source.
1: Yeah. If, if it makes sense to use a factory, you want to use a factory. If your order quantities are small, you're doing test validation, yep. validation orders. In my opinion, it's not a huge deal unless you need someone who has the the manufacturing skills Got to you. customize your product. It, it's not a big deal if you use a trading company. Now, some of the easy ways they're they're talked about a lot with with finding a trading company is is you can you can look up their records online. You can look up their their. Their record, their their business registration online. It's in China, but it, it's in Chinese. But as long as you have Google Translate, it, it shouldn't be that that difficult to okay. to weed through it. And if you just get their Chinese name, you can search for it. Uh, Bing Maps is a good one. Get their address. Does it look like their location is a factor? If That's it looks like one, yeah. it's some guy's bedroom, yeah. then yeah. you know. Um, the other the other thing is is to ask them to the field them out. Ask for photos. There's mm-hmm. no problem. Say frask ask for a photo of them standing next to the assembly line mm. if they can do that in a snap then it's it's a pretty easy way there's lots there's lots of ways to go into it but it's one of those focuses that i'm not i'm not against using trading companies and i know a lot of people are but what happens is if you're continuously narrowing them down you'll end up realizing that a trading company may not be a qualified supplier just based on based on your requirements. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn that as you continually or as you gradually bring your bring your funnel down to its down to its its tip and and are only working with a small group of factories or a small group of suppliers.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's I think, I think that's really, really smart. Again, I think it's you know, you're you're widening and then you're narrowing um, down by kind of going through those different questions to ask. Um, what else is there? Anything else that we should ask to validate, or is there any more any more to the validation process to kind of narrow it down?
1: Well, going off of the validation process and also the funneling process, one of the one of the main things that you should focus on last, the absolute last thing that you would that you want to focus on is price. Okay because what happens is if you're only folk if you if you're going to create this elaborate excel document and you have the factory's name on on one column and then each stage of the of the funneling process you're adding another criteria and removing suppliers if you put price as the first one What happens here is that you're only looking at the, you end up only looking at the cheap suppliers Yeah. and in China, you 100% get what you pay for. Mm. I can't say that enough. Mm -hmm. So if instead you find out of those hundred, you find 20 factories that are good factories, you're, you're thinking, yeah, I, I'm interested in using these guys. They all sound like they've got, they, they've, they've got what it takes to work with my order. And then you put their their cost per unit into consideration that's where you can start narrowing them down with the price okay
0: yeah that makes sense yeah that makes that makes a lot of sense because again like you said I mean eventually we could work with price uh, we can work on you know whether it's order size or whether it's you know maybe certain packaging, whatever we can, we can kind of play with that. But like you said, there's more important things at first. We want a quality product. We want a quality uh, manufacturer uh, or company that's going to be working with our products. But just to get clear on that. So if we're starting like right from scratch and we're going to start at the top of the funnel and kind of lead ourselves through, like what are some of those beginning questions that we should be asking? Is there something that kind of like maybe there's the top three questions you should ask and then that'll start narrowing it down to, to the next level?
1: Yeah. So some of the some of the easy ways to narrow suppliers down are to not even ask them questions. Those if you're looking at a hundred factories, the first fifty of them, you're probably not even gonna reach out to them. <laughs> it's spend some time on their page. Look at who they are. You know, look look at look at what it is that they sell. Are they selling phone everything from phone cases to microwaves? Right. right. That might indicate that they either they're not entirely sure what their focus is, or that they could be a trading company.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You want to, so you want to be able to to narrow your search down with suppliers that are are clear in what their expertise is. I mm, mean. From there, you can even take it a step forward and start reading some of their descriptions. Are they listing their products with various prices? So maybe they have a single product. We'll go with the phone case example, mm-hmm. and they're telling people that uh, for one listing, they're selling it for literally a penny a piece, or they're claiming to to sell it for a penny a piece. We all mm-hmm. know that mm-hmm. um, false advertisement doesn't exist in China, <laughs> but, <laughs> right? But, um, and they're 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 selling it for everything from a penny of penny a piece up to $2 a piece, just try, just fishing, trying to get as many people to look at their, look at their listing. That to me shows that they lack, they, they lack confidence in being able to sell their product. Mm -hmm. Then are they, are they showing off, uh, photos of them in the factory, maybe with happy clients that they're standing next to those goofy photos of the, of the foreigner sort of shaking hands with the, with the factory factory. I've seen them. Yeah. Are they? do they uh, participate in trade shows? Mm. Now, this isn't something that we want to rule out if they don't, but it might be something that we would want to star if they participate in trade shows. And the reason being is if the factory is confident enough to bring their their entire staff or the, the bulk of their selling staff and present their products at a trade show, that takes certain types of registration that can only be verified if you're an actual factory. Mm. That takes That takes capital yeah you know, that it totally so is. it's it's these things that will allow us to realize are these guys who they say they are, are these guys uh, qualified suppliers or potential qualified suppliers? Once we have ruled these out, you're going to see that if you're looking at 100 factories, it's going to be super easy to rule out the ones that just look like duds. That's when you can start reaching out to them and having those conversations with them. If you want to talk about your products, great. Talk about your products. Explain the specifications. How are they handling it? Are they open to communication or are they very short with you? These are factories that that ideally you're going to be working with with the years to come for the years to come so you do not want to work with someone who's who, who's who doesn't work at the same communication pace that you do and i don't mean you're looking for factories that are perfect in english i'm talking about you're looking for factories that are capable of understanding your requirements and identifying that they that they can produce your requirements and that that these are these are things that are important to you
0: Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no, that that all makes 100 percent. sense. So the way I'm I'm looking at this is we're really doing a lot of the work before we even reach out. Right. <laughs> yeah. We're doing a lot of the of the work before we even waste our time. reaching out to these. So we can, again, we have a a larger group or pool of people or businesses, and then we do all of our own research. That's where the time comes in. We, we kind of like vet them out with our own criteria. We make some, some asterisks. Oh, these guys, you know, have been at trade shows. That's cool. That's a little bonus. Um, and then all that stuff. And then we can kind of get them down to the point where now we might have our top 25 or, or 50 or whatever. And then those would be the ones that we can then reach out to and start to ask those questions. You know, I'm interested in, in, uh, you know, the, this garlic press. Uh, I'd like to know more about it and, uh, you know, what your minimum quantity is and, and all of that stuff. Um, is that pretty much how, how I'm seeing it? Spot on. Okay, cool. Now, it, once we get to that part, what's the first, uh, you know, what's the first communication look like? I know a lot of people want to seem as though they're a big business because they feel as though they won't sell to a small business. Is there any truth to that?
1: I think there was truth to that years ago. Um, you know, if we look at the way China has grown, if we take that someone's business and the, the business model that has developed through hundreds or millions of people that have been selling on Amazon, and we take the business model that we all know and take that to China ten years ago, and you tell a factory, Hey, I'd like to have you guys manufacture five hundred units of this garlic press. Mm-hmm. They're not going to take you seriously because 500 units means nothing to them. They don't have the they don't have the understanding of e commerce. Okay. And nowadays, people get that Amazon, if, if people get that that potential buyers are going to reach out to them. When I say people, it's factories. Factories mm-hmm. get that buyers are going to reach out to them because they're selling on e commerce or they're selling in their mom and pop shop. They're selling in retail that only requires a smaller order quantity and we've we've talked to a lot of a lot of factories and asked them straight up does that matter to you and time and time again the answer has always been we don't care how big you are what we want is we want to know what you require and if us working together is something that can be managed so if you come into a factory and you start you you're the you're the sole proprietor of your company and you you label your your email signature as purchasing director or assistant purchasing director and you you give the impression that you're huge the factory is going to see that and they're not going to be turned away by it but you are creating an image that there's a very good chance you're not going to be able to fulfill okay okay it's a lot easier to be very direct with factories and let them know hey look I buy. I, I purchase small quantities. I purchase validation quantities of whatever it is that that your 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 order quantity is, intends to be. Mm-hmm. And from there, we use these as a way to to project if this is going to be a viable product. We have the chance here, based on our research and based on our our years in the industry, or even our our years of of research. To understand that this product could easily be sold in our market for at, at five thousand units a month, if that's true, mm-hmm. if it can, if you're looking on on Jungle Scout and it's showing that you probably only have the 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 velocity potential of selling two thousand units a month, and there's twelve other sellers that are also doing, taking up a piece of that those those twelve thousand units, you don't want to lie to these factories sure. because. They are of the impression that you will eventually scale up if things are good. If you come into them, if you come to them and you say, "I'm a huge buyer," uh, we're gonna, we require a small validation order quantity of, of, of 500 units. Afterwards, we're going to place consecutive orders of 10,000 units on on a monthly basis. They'll remember that, mm-hmm. and when you cannot meet those those promises, they're going to lose interest in you. They took their leap of faith. Because they're they have the understanding that you are going to fulfill on what it is that you claim.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess it's it's basic uh, <laughs> it's basic one on one being uh you know being upfront and honest and and uh, <laughs> you you know you can't you can't really go wrong there. Um, it's like you said. I think if I, I like the validation, uh, you know, the wording there where you're saying like you know we're we're doing a validation run. Uh, you know, whether you've been selling in this market or not, and you know we're just. We're doing this on a variety of products, and uh, we'd like to test these three or whatever. And uh, from there on out, you know, we see a potential of you know, if it's two (laughs) thousand units, it's two thousand units a month or whatever it is. And at least you can give them a little bit of of insight as far as like where you project it could go. Doesn't mean it will go, but it's like this is where I see it could go. And again, not making that up, actually seeing your numbers and what you expect um, that it could possibly do. Uh, And if it does, it does. It doesn't. It doesn't
1: it's, it's sell the factory on your seriousness in yep. this industry or in this business, not your perceived size because you can't fathom the idea that not understand that you can work from your third bedroom.
0: Mm, mm, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's spot on. I think that, uh, a lot of people want to pretend like they're a, a huge major, um, you know, major business with uh, hundreds of employees. Um, you know, I, I think that again, just being open and honest uh, with these uh, with these factories, and uh, I think that this way here, you're you're not held to what you had said. Oh, I think I'm going to do ten thousand units, but you really think yeah. you're only going to maybe do two thousand. I mean, that's just that's craziness. Um, okay, cool. So we we've gotten to this point. Let's talk a little bit, not too much, but let's talk a little bit about like the money transferring hands, like. What's the norm? What do you recommend for someone that is either just getting started or maybe hasn't worked with this company? Is it a red flag if they only offer one type of payment? Like, do you have any 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 advice on that or any tips on that?
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll say this from the fact that yes, we are a sourcing company. Yes, we we deal with a lot of factories. But at the same point, the way that our company operates is that our clients pay factories directly. Gotcha. So when I give these tips, you can keep in mind that it's, it's not always my, the only thing that I have at stake here is my reputation as opposed to my money. But you know, I I hold that at at the highest regard that I can. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how you send money to people. What matters is that you've accurately validated, accurately qualified a factory. Because if you rely on payment processors as your means to protect yourself, then what that says to me is that you have you're not confident in this factory. Mm-hmm. you could you you could be speaking with a factory for an entire year before placing an order. I think that'd be that'd be irresponsible. But in theory, let's say that you were and and you built this relationship with this factory. but then what happens is they they say that they want to do a wire transfer. And you say, no, we need to do, we need to do PayPal mm-hmm. because there's, we don't trust you.
0: Mm.
1: Then that tells me that the entire year that you just spent work, working with this factory or speaking with this factory, you still don't trust them. So what were you doing for this entire year? Yeah. The, this, this, this funnel that, that I've explained is, is, is there. So when you get down to that last factory, the factory that you're going to work with, you can be confident that if you pay them – they will deliver. Mm. So I I am a fan of trade assurance. You know, it's a, it's a great service and they have in the, in the past two years, they've changed their terms and they're a little bit more favorable now to, to buyers than how they once were. Something like PayPal is, I'm not a huge fan of PayPal. Um, I understand some, I've heard of people running their entire business, paying factories with PayPal Mm -hmm. and I look at them as the they're lucky, or it, it must be a pain pain in the neck to find factories that that meet your qualifications. They're capable of 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 producing your product that you're happy with, and they accept PayPal. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's a big ask in in a sense. Even though the, the the pond is very big, so for me, I'm a big fan of people paying with wire transfers because it's it's an extension of of good faith. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not holding the factory back by saying we're going to send the money to you, but we're really not going to because we don't trust you fully. We're yeah. saying okay, after the 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 two months that we've spent exchanging samples and and negotiating, we are of the opinion that we want to create a relationship with with you, the factory. Therefore, you you require a thirty percent deposit on the production of your goods. Okay. Give us the bank the bank account that, that you need us to transfer it to. As long as you're transferring safely, then there shouldn't be a big there shouldn't be as big of a concern. There's always a concern because sure. you're dealing with China and sure. it's the like we said, the Wild West. But transfer to only a bank account that is the factory's name that also is attached to the factory's address that they publicly display. Mm-hmm. Don't send to a private, a private bank account or, or what they, who they call the boss's personal account because they want to avoid taxes. Play with those things later. If you want to try try doing those things, um, do things by the book. If you can use trade assurance, go for it. Mm-hmm. If they're okay with it, go for it. But at the end of the day, Payment should be the least of your worries because if you're worried about sending your money to this factory, I can tell you without a doubt, you should not use that factory because you're not you're you're not confident in their capabilities.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I've heard people. I mean, I've said in the past if you're doing like your first run, uh, you know, you can use something either either PayPal or I w- I was saying like using Alibaba if you're going through Alibaba using their mm. um, they have escrow um, so
1: yeah, it's their that, trade yeah, right?
0: right so that is something that I've said but I've also said that you really like a lot of factories won't accept the, the 30% and 70% through PayPal because they're paying a fee on top of that um, and they want it to be wired but again I would say a red flag would be if they say, well we need to be, be paid in full before we do the order or we need to have 80% and then you pay 20 like most of the time i mean correct me if i'm wrong it's like 30 70 is pretty much the norm and i think if you're doing that small validation run it's 30 percent. if you did use trade assurance you have a little bit of protection there but i think yeah the wire at that point will also and if you've done your your homework like you've said and you have that confidence you're going to be doing 30 percent of the complete order and then from there i mean they're going to want to get the rest of their money so it's like they're going to have to ship the goods um you know in order to get that that other part of the Uh, of the of the payment. But that also brings us up to the next part, which is like inspections, because, okay, we've got the product done. It's it's produced. It's ready. We've given them we've given them 30 percent. Now they want to get 70 percent before they actually ship the product to us. And then it comes inspections. And um, I want your I mean, because obviously I'm not going to be able to go there. And if I can't go there, I need someone to go there on my behalf. And I know there's some other companies out there. And uh, I know you guys have a service that does that. And can you just speak about that as far as like yeah, what, totally. that, what that entails? Like what does it look like for me to hire you on my behalf to go over there, your company to go over there and actually do the inspection uh, for us? Like what does that look like?
1: So, if we look at inspections as a whole, I mean, we're a company that offers it, and there's plenty of companies out there that that offer offer inspections as well. And companies usually charge between two and four hundred dollars for this service. And mm-hmm. what it is is an inspector, a quality control inspector, goes to the factory, and they spend roughly about eight hours reviewing your. The production, and they can go at various stages of the production, but ideally, what they're doing is they're following your specifications and determining is this is this product qualified or does this product uh, pass quality control uh, inspection requirements. So, for example. If you're if you're selling a garlic press and the, the the details that you would like the inspector to review are things such as does they hinge on the garlic press does it open and close fully is it smooth you know is it something will it get jammed up if, if I if I move it multiple times can it actually press a garlic yeah. is, does it does it do its job That's a big one. is mm-hmm. is the color is the color the the exact color that I requested? Maybe you wanted to go to go funky and you wanted a a lime green, a lime green garlic press. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does the color match? Does the, does the, do all of the color stay consistent? Mm -hmm. Is it packaged properly? Mm -hmm. Did you ask the factory to label it for, for FBA requirements or FBA labeling requirements? Mm -hmm. Does the barcode actually scan? Mm -hmm. So, the first thing with an inspection is it's 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 understanding that inspector an inspector doesn't go there and he doesn't magically assume or he doesn't magically understand what you deem a qualified product. He takes what it is that you, the information that you provide him and and they they use those through a series of tests uh, and random sampling. So we get a lot of questions with people asking you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, <laughs> get a little. I'm, quiet. Just, we, I'm yeah. just listening, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we we get a lot of we get a lot of questions asking asking people asking us how long does it take for the inspector to inspect all five thousand of my units? Mm-hmm. And the idea here is that it doesn't always make sense to immediately assume that an inspector needs to inspect five thousand units. Mm-hmm they they inspect a random sampling and this sampling is a is a specific is 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 a specific table that that they use to come up with these it's it's called the accepted quality limit and they determine okay if you have an order quantity of 5000 units based on your inspection requirements we're going to deem this a level 2.5 on the aq aql index that means that we only need to inspect 400 units okay. so They'll spend their eight hours randomly choosing four hundred units out of all of the boxes and going through the inspection process. Wow. Okay.
0: Wow, that's pretty
1: intense. Yeah, it is intense. It's a it's 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 very technical. Yeah. Is 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 the thing that's that's important to remember because when you commission any any inspection company to inspect the goods, if you tell them, hey. W- uh, this is my product. Can you guys please go inspect it? And you don't give them any rec- any specifications. The inspector is going to look at that product, and they're going to try to identify any minor things. So, for example, if your product has a tiny scuff on the sticker on the bottom that says "Made in China," mm-hmm. maybe it was it was placed where someone's nail got got caught in it, and just the little the little edge got got bent. Something that no one would ever notice. Uh-huh. The inspector is going to call that out. And what happens here is is that the inspector will will make the report that the the production failed. So now you're on the other side of the world. You see at the bottom of this inspection report that the inspection failed. So the hundreds of dollars, the $200, $300 that you just spent shows off that it's a failed inspection. But when you really look at it, it's not failed. Yeah. It's just the inspector was doing his job.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So one of those important things is to really identify what is it that you want an inspector to look at, and then they can go and and fully look at exactly what it is that, that, that you've identified. And if those things pass, great. If they don't pass, then you can start working with the factory and say, hey, look, this inspector identified that here are all of the problems. Now we need to come up with a plan of action as to how to fix it because quite frankly, now is the time where you have your best bargaining chip. Yeah. You have not paid your 70% deposit yet. The factory is relying on on you to pay them in order for them to make the majority of their money. So they're in in all uh, they're they have their best mind to, to want to fix all of these problems as best as possible for you.
0: Yeah. I would also think too, that now you've done it on their next order, they might be a little bit more careful um, because they know that you have these inspected. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking, you know, (laughs) thinking that they would, but I would think so if I was a business, I'd be like, okay, well these guys inspect thoroughly. Yeah. Uh, Let's make sure that these guys, we definitely play, you know, pay close attention to their, to their orders and stuff. You know, I think that that's part of that process.
1: We have something in this industry that's called a quality cliff. And it's let's say you're working with a factory for multiple orders, five orders go by and terms are great. And then all of a sudden the quality just drops. It's it's like what what happened? Is it a new factory? How did this happen? And it's it's the factory gets comfortable with you. They no longer see your your repeat orders as oh, this is this is great business with us. You're already factored into their, their, their profits. They, they expect you coming in. So now what they're looking for is how do we make even more money on these guys? And their answer is, uh, how about we just, we use, we use inferior materials Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or we, we spend less time producing these orders. So by, to avoid this, inspect every time. It's, it's $200. We charge $199 per, per inspection. And it, so if you think about it, it's the easiest investment for someone not being in China. And even if you are in China, do you really want to travel all the way out to your factory? <laughs>
0: Right, You know, I have
1: to do a lot of cities in China and there's very few of them that I'd be super excited to go to where I'd have to get onto a plane and travel to and only stay for eight hours.
0: Well, you know, I'm also thinking of this. Have you had people do this uh, where they say, you know, I'm thinking about using this factory. Can I just have you go over to check out the factory, take pictures and all of that stuff versus just it being a product inspection?
1: Yeah. So, so that would be called a factory audit. They're a little bit different because okay. what, what happens with an audit is – the the factory or the, the inspector is not they're not focused on a single production they're focused on the factory as a whole. Okay. So if you've ever, I, I, I know you moved recently, if you've yep. ever sold a house and you have a property inspector come in, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a bit of an ordeal. Yeah. And it's the same idea with an inspector going to audit a factory, but they're not just looking at the foundation, they're not just looking at how the factory is built, they're looking at the employees, they're looking at their capabilities of production. Sure, sure. So it's not a bad idea to do a, a factory audit, but it's one of those things that if you're selling on e-commerce where we understand your your order quantities are low, yeah if you're gonna audit every single factory that you've narrowed down so let's say you're gonna audit five factories it's gonna end up costing you a lot of money to do so gotcha whereas in reality if you do what you what you understand the vetting process yep, the yep. It, remotely and then uh, and, and then you then you inspect and you do everything with with a with a proper guidelines that you've created for your own business model you'll you'll benefit a lot more than just throwing all this money down the down the i wouldn't say down the drain but you'll be spending a lot of money and then what happens is let's say uh bed bath and beyond reaches out to you and they say or you've reached out to them and they give you a purchase order for your brand you're you're finally out of amazon you've diversified your sales and and then you want to determine okay Our order quantity has been pretty small, considering Bed Bath and Beyond wants to purchase eighty thousand units. Hmm. Can our factory really handle that? If you ask them, of course they're going to say yes. But that's where you'd want to send an uh, send an inspector to do an audit to see can they really do they have what it takes? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and and I think once you if once you do your inspection, you're also probably going to. I mean, I would assume that I could say that on that I want to also I don't know maybe see. I don't know, the room that my boxes are in or something. Yeah, why not? I could probably say, snap a couple pictures for me. You know what I mean? Like, I think at that point in time, they're doing what you require. And part of that requirement is I just want to see the facility that my item's being stored in before it right. shipped or something. And then you totally. can kind of get a feel. It's not in someone's barn. It's in, uh, you know, a, a, literally a building. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like something like that, I would think. That There's would no harm
1: be, in that. I yeah, it would, so. be,
0: it would be part of your criteria. Um, right. But yeah, I think that's a no-brainer, um, 100%. A lot of people ask me, ask me that. They're like, you know, should I just send directly to Amazon? And I'm like, well, first off, if you're not going to inspect it yourself, then you need an inspection company. If you're going to inspect it yourself, have it shipped yourself, but then you're going to, you're going to take that fee that you're going to be paying to reship it into Amazon. Um, So it just depends on your, your level of risk, I guess, and and how fast you want to get it there.
1: Right. Um, The greatest thing an inspector can also do is they can check to make sure that you're that your products are properly packaged and properly labeled to Amazon's requirements. So there, yeah. it blows my mind how many people will, will run their business on the idea that they ship all of their products to, to their garage first to, to inspect them. Mm. That's it's look, what, what successful large business does that?
0: Well, no, exactly.
1: It's not scalable. So if you understand that an inspector – could do that on your behalf. It's 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 two three hundred dollars for them to do this, yeah. and it it frees up a whole lot of your space. Your you know your your husband or wife is not going to be ticked that you're taking up all the space in the garage for their cars, and all of this time of you having this. Go through every single product to make sure that they're labeled. When an inspector can just can just do it using using the time that you've already paid for for him to go there, he has barcode scanners. He'll he'll scan it and check to make sure that the labels match up.
0: Yeah, the only one problem with that now is um, with the long term storage and all that stuff. So people that have three thousand units and they're not going to go through those three thousand, that could become a problem. So you're going to have to have right. another warehouse or fulfillment center. So that's uh, it used to be easier. Uh, Amazon used to be. Uh, you know, a, a facility that you could just store stuff and they didn't charge you much. Um now all of a sudden they've, they've really made it to where they're, they're going to make it harder for you to carry more than six months of inventory um, without hammering you. And then fourth quarter, I mean, it, it almost quadrupled, um, which was insane. So um, a lot of people were shocked by that. So, Again, I, I get what you're saying, but in the same breath, um, you know, you just, you're gonna need it. I mean, it's easy to have another facility that you could send it to in the States even, and then just have it stored there be a lot cheaper.
1: Um, yeah, storage is, is cheap, I mean, compared to what Amazon costs.
0: Yeah, because Amazon is starting to say, you know what, we only want product in here that moves quickly. Uh, <laughs> we're exploding <laughs> at the seams, we're building right. warehouses all over the place, and we can't even handle the product. Um, I right. mean, they literally didn't allow FBA that were brand new sellers. Um, after a certain day, they were like, no more, like we can't handle it. Like we're busting at the seams. Um, I heard
1: people were, were selling, uh, their unused uh, people who, who started selling on Amazon uh, and then just gave up. They were profiting because they were selling their, their accounts to newbies. Yeah. I heard that as well.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. An account that they might've sold. Two RA things, retail ARP right. things, but they right. had, they had, they had actually sent stuff in and they were okay. It's just anyone brand new couldn't do it. So yeah, yep. you could have you could have sold your your vacant uh, Amazon account that at least <laughs> had some history, uh, which is always a way to uh, to uh, monetize uh, I guess things that you have. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So cool. Let's we're we're gonna be wrapping up here, but I mean we we okay. dug into a lot. But what I want to do is I want to definitely go through guided imports. I want to go through. Um, the inspection service, I think anyone that's interested, definitely check them out. Um, everything will be linked up in the show notes here. Um, also, I'm going to have a special link that will go to all the resources for guided imports. That'll be seller.com forward slash sourcing. And then we'll put everything there. Um, I'm even going to probably ask you, um, Sam, if you can even maybe give me that guide and we can even link that up for people, maybe like okay. some, a checklist or something that definitely. people can have um, yeah, I'll so you guys we can up. give them some yeah, some resources. Um, but now what I want to talk about is this, and it's, it's fairly new and it's, it's kind of where you took all of that, like all of that work that we're going to have to do. And you kind of made it easier by creating a service that does a validation service. So maybe we can talk about that and exactly what it does and why I would want to use it.
1: Yeah, definitely. So the idea here is that our company's goal is to help businesses streamline themselves. Selling on Amazon is a, is a validated business. We understand that. Selling on e-commerce is, is, is definitely a good business model. But in order for you to grow, you need a way to streamline. So one of the services that we offer is this validation service that I mentioned that's that's crucial to any business to do. What we do is we save you the time. Uh, you give us your product specifications, and what we'll, we'll spend the, the next couple of days putting together a, a profit a profit analysis or, or or I'm sorry a manufacturing cost analysis document or report that explains to you the estimated costs to get products manufactured how much will it cost to to manufacture products at various order quantities what are the shipping the the shipping costs across various shipping methods so when you look at air air cargo and and various sea shipments how much are they across multiple order quantities? Are there, are there compliance requirements or duty, duty costs that you would like to know? Are there um, mold fees or customization fees where you want to take a, the garlic press and you want to tweak it and make it something that's very unique? How much would it cost to do that? Mm. So what happens here is we deliver this report and you are able to see the, the final landed cost of how much it will cost to get your products to Amazon or get your products to their final destination.
0: Yeah, and I, I love that. And actually, um, I've already played around with the service. Uh, and oh, it's, nice. uh, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. Uh, and it was very simple. Uh, I literally just fill out a little bit of the you know, the, the, the details, obviously. And then it's kind of like, you know, you guys went out and kind of did all of the digging, all of the vetting and and finding that stuff. And um, I had to come back with a couple of things because actually the product that we were looking at, um, there wasn't really one exactly what we were selling uh, or that we wanted to sell. And it was going to be a little bit harder. So I think the second part of that was I had to send uh, one of my competition's uh, products, and then you guys were going to use that as a piece that maybe could ship off to a factory. So there's going to be another another uh, I guess extension of what we were already doing. Um, But it totally it totally sped up that process and kind of narrowed it down to like you guys had like a handful of, of factories that could. That, that could produce this the other thing that we just recently used was um just the freight forwarding just to kind of look and see what the landed cost was going to be for that you guys gave us i think two options and one was air um and one was i think it was one was like it was air LCO. yeah yeah so um yeah and and that was that was pretty quick actually it came back and i was surprised it was pretty affordable. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that sped up the process when before we were always kind of doing it ourselves. And, um, that's right. definitely something, um, that we'll be using internally here, uh, me, myself and, 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 you know, our team. Um, because it's, to me, it's just like you said, it's like, it just takes all of that out of there. Like, I just want to know, like, what's it going to cost me? Is it even possible? Like, well, you're going to give me the right. of cost. And I'm going to be like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. You know what yeah. I mean it's just too much like why would I And do there that?
1: we we see a lot of people that that come to us and say listen I've got I've got product ideas for the next year I've got 50 product ideas but I'm just uh, I'm a little afraid to pull the trigger on them. This is that time where you can give us your product ideas and we'll let you know does it make sense from a manufacturing standpoint. Jungle Scout or or Unicorn Smasher these these services do a phenomenal job of explaining does this product make sense from a marketing standpoint? But it's really only us here that that we're able to explain. Does it make sense from the manufacturing mm. standpoint? And that's the crucial one because it's like what we were talking about with shipping. If you don't know the shipping costs until it comes time to, to foot that bill, and you realize your product's not profitable, you're in a whole world of hurt right now because you spent all this time and, and money trying to come up with a product that you might not even be profitable on. So this is that this is that that key to to giving you the the, the idea of determining, does it make sense to move forward with this product? And if you decide to source on your own, which is a which is a very wise decision for a, for a lot of people who are just starting out, then you don't have to waste all of this time either validating on your own or going through the sourcing stages on your own because we're telling you right from the start, does it make sense to do this or does it not? And if it doesn't, go to the next product.
0: Yeah. And I want to bring up something too, uh, really quickly is, uh, you know, uh, I had, like I said, I had Eric on and, uh, we talked about how he sold his business. And one of the main reasons was because he came to work for your company and you have, uh, you know, you have something in inside of your company that all uh, people that you employ have to, uh, kind of abide by. And, uh, what is that?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's sort of a no brainer to us. And, uh, it's, it, it, it scares me that that not everyone can can keep this can do this seriously, but we understand that the majority of our clients sell on Amazon, and because of that, people regard this their information as as incredibly secure and confidential information. They're giving us their secrets. They're telling us we essentially know all of our clients' business strategies and, and ideas because we're helping them get their products manufactured. So. Internally, we have we have we have documentation for every single one of our employees that states that as long as you are an employee for for guided imports, you're not allowed to sell on Amazon. They're not allowed to sell on Amazon two years after they work with us as well. But um, one of the interesting things is is Eric Barrett, our uh, our marketing director. He started out. He was an Amazon. He was an Amazon seller, and he was one of our clients. He was an awesome client for for some time. And before he he fully came on board with us, we had to have that talk and say, "Hey, listen, man, uh, it's <laughs> it's either us or the company." <laughs> and uh, so he was he was successful with with being able to sell it off. But it's something that we take seriously, so so we can we can fully invest ourselves in our in in our clients' businesses without them having to worry of, of there being any type of conflict of interest.
0: No, nah, it makes, it makes total sense. And, and just to kind of go back to, to Eric's story, it was funny because him and I were in, in contact way before he came on the show. And, and there was, I don't even think he was even, he did it wasn't even in his vision to work for guided Imports. <laughs> and then he, uh, he reached back out to me, we got back in touch and he's like, Well, I still, yeah, I still, I'll definitely come on the podcast, but it's been a little bit of a change in, uh, (laughs) in what's been happening here. I sold my business and now I'm working for guided imports, which I'm really excited about. And I'd love to come on and share it. And I'm like, let's do it, man. And, uh, he's got a great story and, um, it's just, again, I like to go back to that because, you know today might seem like one thing in your business that tomorrow a new door opens up and then that brings something brand new, but it all came from the one thing that you did or a moment that you made a decision right. to do like you moving to, to China. And then not, I mean, you didn't plan that going to college, that that's what you were going to do. It just kind of, it kind of unfolded Happened, as, you, right, yeah, yeah. as you go through and, and you start to see now you're like, Oh my gosh, there's like, there's, there's an opportunity here. Like people are struggling with this and I think I can help them. and, and, and here you are, and you build a company, and uh, right. it's just really awesome. And I like to highlight that because so many people right now think that they have to figure out that one thing that they're going to do for the rest of their lives. And I always tell them, like, listen, don't try. Just you know, do what you feel is right now, and uh, and do you know, do good things with it, learn it, and then you know it 'll take you to where you got to go and uh, totally it's perfect yeah
1: I mean I had no idea we were going to be here so yeah it's all it's awesome
0: yeah it really really truly is all right man well this has been a lot longer than I expected but you know what there's been a lot of great conversation I think there's a lot of great nuggets that we shared here and I love that you broke it down like step by step and again you kind of classify it as like a funnel and then kind of bringing it down to the end where we can actually say okay these are now the ones that I want to reach out to and then also this the inspection stuff I think is is really, really important, and then your new validation service, I think, is something that if anyone is is serious about doing this, they don't want to spend all of that time, definitely, definitely look into that. Again, I'll link everything up on the show notes. Um, Also, there'll be a special page that I'm going to create. It'll be at theamazingseller.com forward slash sourcing, and we'll hook you up with all those resources and all the services that guided imports um, offers. So, uh, Sam, I just want to say thanks, man. Is there any last bits of advice that you'd like to give anyone, uh, whether it's about sourcing or just business in general?
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh, my last piece of advice is do not be afraid to start again, meaning if that the numbers don't come back as, 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 as good numbers or you're, you're working with a factory up until that single factory and you just don't feel super confident, do not be afraid to just start back from the top. Because the, the time that you're going to waste is going to be a lot better than the time, the money that you're going to spend dealing with your huge mistake. Go with your gut. And if necessary, start from the top again.
0: Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Hey, I really appreciate it. I'm definitely going to probably have you come back on because I'm sure we could dig into a whole nother topic. And I'm sure you can get us up to date on any changes or anything that's happening in the market as far as sourcing goes. So Sam, I want to thank you again, man. This has
1: been awesome. Yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Thank you too, Scott. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, so I wasn't kidding, right a lot of great information and Sam did a really, really good job of kind of going through the entire process how to go through that sourcing funnel as he calls it because that's kind of what it's like it's like you're you're casting this wide net and then you're able to really start to narrow it down before you even get to contacting them you can kind of do some of that back you know that background check so this way here you can see if it's even worth, contacting, and uh, I really just like it how he broke everything down and gave us that checklist, and all of that stuff can be found at TheAmazingSeller.com forward slash sourcing and uh, and you'll find all that stuff or you can just head over to the amazing com forward slash 332 and that's where all the show notes will be the transcripts uh, all the links that we mentioned if you want to use their service then definitely head over to the com forward slash sourcing and they have inspection services they have now an, a validation process that'll actually do all of that for you if you don't want to do it and kind of narrow everything down and then just give you all of the ones that qualify and and take you through that process. And I mean, they have an A to Z uh, program where they'll actually take you through or take your business from product idea all the way to getting it shipped in to Amazon. So definitely check out their services. They're a really good company. Uh, It's someone, again, that I'm backing because I know them now, right? I've met uh, Eric Barrett, who I had on episode 276, who talked about his suspension horror story and how he then sold his business and then went to work for Guided Imports, which he had to do in order to work for Guided Imports, because that's one of their uh, mandatory things that you have to do. Uh, But uh, and then again, you know, Sam, I mean, being able to talk to him for this hour and really getting to know him more, I can definitely see that he has all of the right intentions and he wants to create a really great service and he has done that and he continues to make it even better. So definitely go check out those guys, seller.com forward slash sourcing and that'll get you hooked up Uh, with all the resources that they offer there as well so that's it guys that's pretty much going to wrap up this episode remember as always i'm here for you i believe in you and i am rooting for you but you have to you have to come on say it with me say it loud say it proud don't just consume this stuff get out there and take action we'll see you guys in the next episode take care